0: All right, thanks for joining us on this Friday, this good Friday, a couple of days before Easter. DJ and PK, DJ is off, so you got PK flying the machine with Yak uh, doing the uh, legwork there in the studio. And joining us now is the television play-by-play announcer for the Chicago Bulls, Adam Amin. Adam, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you again, bud. Absolutely here. So, my first question for you, as far as the Bulls go, going big picture. Uh, It seems like, except, you know, maybe for the Derrick Rose time, that this franchise has been in a rebuild for a good long while now. Uh, And Jazz fans know full well when the last time they weren't, uh, when they were on top, obviously, beating the Jazz here. But my thought for you is hiring Billy Donovan looks like they've got the stability that they need to see this thing through to the conclusion that they want, and that would be being competitive and vying for the Eastern Conference for the opportunity to win that thing. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I think so, uh, based on early returns. And and again, I, I know the record isn't overly impressive, and I'm, I'm not asking anybody to, to look at just the record, especially in, in year one. But I, I think having a professional face and professional voice at the helm of this, I would say, is probably the most important stage. Uh, if 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 the Bulls get to a point where they you know like you just described, where they're back at a point of competitiveness, contention, you know, to to make a deep run in the playoffs, I think the hiring of Billy will probably be one of the first, maybe not the first, but one of the first moves. That is looked at as as a major, you know, stepping stepping stone for it, or a real launch point for where this organization wants to go. And it was the type of move that needed to happen. Like I said, it's a professional voice and professional va- uh, face that is the right demeanor to steer and navigate through some of the pitfalls. That a team in, in the current iteration that the Bulls are in will deal with, you know, whether it's growing pains of young players, whether it's you know for this particular team trying to figure out lineup combinations on the fly during the midst of a really tough stretch. I think this is the right guy, the, the right type of of demeanor that you need, uh, especially compared to where the, the previous regime was, you know, and the the front office and the coaching staff uh, with the overhaul that they went through over the last 12 months. Were, uh, were probably necessary steps in order to get this team in the, in the right direction as to where it needs to go.
0: Yeah, because that's what I think about, you know, obviously we follow the Jazz, and DJ and I have been doing this radio show for 19 years, and we've been through some highs and a little bit of lows. But even during the lows, as they were rebuilding, you know, they had a plan, and they carried out the plan. And the one thing that always bugs me as a follower of professional sports is that you have a plan to rebuild – and then the plan changes, and you rebuild the rebuild without ever rebuilding, if that makes sense. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. So with the Jazz, you know, they stuck with it, with Kevin O'Connor transferring, transferring to Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder. And they went through the hard times, but they stuck with it. And I think as a fan base, you can appreciate that. And I don't see... I hadn't seen the Bulls, you know, all these changes. And it's just like you just keep running in place or running backwards. And so I thought it was a coup to get Donovan here who knows what he's doing. And so let's have a plan and stay with that plan because if the plan is sound, you can get to where you want to go.
1: I think so too, man. And and I would say that, you know, having watched the Jazz over the course of the last probably five years where they've been back, to a certain level of competitiveness. You know, they've been competitive in playoff series. Uh, They've won a series, you know, against uh, L.A. a few years ago. And I look at this jazz team now having somebody like Quinn Snyder, who is so connected with Dennis Lindsay, right, obviously going back to their San Antonio days and and in that system where, where Quinn basically started his NBA career in San Antonio and has crossed paths with all these guys. I think they have a certain level of loyalty and they have a certain level of understanding of what one one another is capable of. And while those connections aren't as deep for Arturus Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, and then Billy Donovan, their individual connections to one another don't run as deep as, let's say, a Quinn and a a Dennis, I think there's a level of respect and understanding there that we're trusting you to do the job that you know how to do at a very high level, and I'm going to trust you that you're gonna put my team in the best position talent wise for me to succeed as a coach or for them to succeed as players. And so far, again, record notwithstanding, because it's, you know, these trades were made in front of one of the toughest stretches of the schedule all year and now you're dealing with another injury to Zach Levine with his ankle, you know, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be easy. You know, you're gonna lose games. They lost competitively to Golden State. They lost competitively to Phoenix. You know, if I had to put, if I were a betting man, I would imagine a lot of folks are probably thinking Utah is going to win the game tonight being at home. They're playing obviously great basketball, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to go through some growing pains in, in, in a stretch like this, but I think the trust level is there and that's so important between front office coaching staff to have that established so that you can make moves with the trust of your head coach with the, you know, the comfort of your head coach. You can make front office uh, machinations and know that it's for the betterment of the team and you'll adjust accordingly. And I think that's the type of relationship that's being being built between front office and coaching staff in Chicago right now.
0: Adam Amin, the television broadcaster for the Chicago Bulls, joining us. You talk about Levine. You know, I saw him in college, obviously played for UCLA, uh, and I think uh, he came out early. I don't remember if it was one year or two years. uh, But you could see even then – Uh, And I'm a Pac-12 guy, graduate of ASU, so I've been following this conference my whole life. Uh, You could see his potential, man, just like all sorts of athletic ability. And now we're seeing it manifest in the pros, really, really blossoming. Uh, You talk about that ankle. What's the short-term status? And as far as long-term, you see him being as a big-time foundation piece of of the Bulls?
1: Yeah, short-term, we're not sure what, what what to expect tonight. It doesn't look great. You know, he's listed as questionable for the time being, and obviously they'll they'll go through shoot-around and things like that probably in a little bit here, and, uh, and they'll know a little bit more. But we saw him miss a game for the first time this year, the other night against Phoenix, and a lot of players stepped up, you know, to their credit. And Vucevic obviously is an all-star that pairs with him well. I think the move to get Vucevic – at least indicates to me that this front office is willing to build around Levine. Now, does that mean that Levine is going to be line item a going forward, the rest of however long he's here? I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think if you go out and you're lucky enough to get another superstar of, uh, you know, of an all-star caliber uh, of a of an all NBA caliber, then yeah, I think Zach Levine takes a, a you know, takes uh, a spot in the passenger seat or in the back seat and that's fine. I think he's more focused on the winning aspect of it, something he has not done in the NBA between Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, I think he's won over a lot of people. You know, I don't know if this front office, this new front office was completely sold on Levine when they first came in and began to evaluate. And I think he's done a lot of things this year through showing his work ethic through leadership through obviously his play that has proven to this front office that he is somebody worth building around whether he's whether he's the centerpiece or not having him as a as a core member of a group going forward I think is a viable option because he is he's earned it you know I, I agree with you he's a one-and-done by the way at UCLA and, and we all saw that with how much he got him, how fast he was, how quick his first step was. Obviously the dunk, dunk contest champion and, and the ability to get above the rim and all that is there, but he's improved as a shooter. He's improved as a passer. He's an elite scorer when he's healthy, uh, like truly an elite shot maker in this league. He's not Lillard, you know, he's not the, the, the tops of the tops, but he's up there. You know, I think he's in the conversation at the very least in terms of shot making ability. So, I think he's proven that he is—he's a, a worthy piece to build around as a f- fundamental core piece to try to build around to, to try to work towards another—you know—a a deep playoff run. I think is probably the best way to phrase it right now.
0: So I have a Wooden Award vote, so I really call, try to follow college basketball as much as I can, and I want to stay in the conference—the conference of champions, as Bill Walton would say—and <laughs> you got marketing in, obviously. He was a one-and-doneer here. At Arizona, the Utes thought he was going to come because of the honnold connection, but anyway, he goes to Arizona. And I was impressed with him uh, in Arizona. He's just a young pup back then, and I can see why he was a high pick. I think he was like the sixth or seventh pick of the draft. Uh, You know, we really focus in on the Jazz on our show, obviously, and I watched that game when they played the Jazz, uh, I think it was almost two weeks ago or so, and he didn't have a good game. I don't want to go crazy because it's one singular game. But I'm wondering, and he's only 23 years old. I think he turns 24 next month, so he's still got some time. But you talk about a foundation piece, and I sort of thought that he would be one for the Bulls and that they can maybe not the piece, but a central figure in the team winning. Uh, I have my doubts a little bit, but it's from a distance, and I'm just looking at box scores. There seems to be a level of inconsistency in and out of the lineup. Do you believe that he's a piece, a critical piece of a team that can be a contender in the East, obviously with the Bulls?
1: I think he can. I think there's there's enough evidence to me in, in flashes that prove that he is a foundational – he can be a foundational piece. You know, his scoring and his efficiency this year is the best it's been in his four years in the NBA. So he's had career-high shooting numbers. Uh, we've seen flashes of him be much more aggressive this year, and I think Billy Donovan has kind of implored him to drive the ball. You're tall and you're strong. Play like it. You know you can play out of the post if you want to, but we know his prowess as a shooter. We know he has ability to drive the basketball and play above the rim a little bit and to get a little bit nasty. But here's where the, the, the crux of the issue is. He's, he hasn't been healthy. Played 68 games as a rookie. Played 52 games the year after. He played 50 games last year out of a 65 game schedule, and he's been on the shelf twice this year. He's only played 26 games. So one of the concerns is can he stay healthy? can he stay healthy, and is are those inconsistencies in his production enough to steer a front office away from paying him what he demands? You know, the bulls and marketing's camp were about $4 million annually apart on a long-term extension. So let's, let's assume it's three to five years. So you're looking at, you know, 12 to $20 million off from what he thinks or they think he should be paid to what the front office believed he should be paid. So they didn't come to an agreement on an extension. Is Lowry marketing on the open market? going to get an offer remember he's a restricted free agent so the bulls have the ability to match any offer that comes in you so see you may not get hurt but if somebody comes in and is willing to pay him 16 million dollars a year to go play in sacramento or to play in denver or to play in atlanta are you going to turn that money down if you're lowry Markin? i don't think you are you know he's he's a family guy He cares very deeply about his family. He wants security, just like any player would want. He wants those same things. And is his level of inconsistency enough to scare other teams away or to scare the Bulls away from matching any offer sheet that might come in? So I think that's that's where the questions lie right now. The talent is there, and you've seen it in flashes, but does it match what he's going to demand on the open market? And I think that's a bigger question.
0: Well, I think he gets that that front price you're talking about on the open market, because even though it hasn't been, and you used the word flash multiple times,
1: I believe the talent's there. I think so. Uh, I, again, we, we've, we've seen it. We've seen his efficiency numbers go up. We've seen, like, when he drives, he's one of those players that when he decides to drive, he's very difficult to stop. And I think the last month, where we've seen some highlight reel dunks. We've seen aggressive drives more consistently. Uh, I think those are necessary for him. And he's got a 25-some-odd game audition here. And I don't like referring to guys auditioning because I I don't think that's fair to what their talent level is and, and how good they can be. It doesn't speak to their potential. But I think it's necessary to get on the same page with this group in terms of the front office, with this group in terms of the coaching staff, I think it is important for him, and if he realizes that, then he's going to make it very difficult for the Bulls to to let him go, and he is going to secure himself a nice contract somewhere else, if not in Chicago, if these next 25 games go the way that his potential can dictate.
0: Chicago Bulls broadcaster Adam Amin joining us. Now, I understand you're still, you know, we knew you from ESPN and you have moved over. You're going to be doing baseball
1: games for Fox, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, going into year two with the, with the guys at Fox, so looking forward to that.
0: And it's not going to be until the season is over. You're going to be doing them now.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it, we got game our, our first games tomorrow. You know, it's yeah. uh, Rockies and Dodgers out of the gate. So uh, you know, we're getting right back to it, and uh, excited to have opening day back yesterday.
0: Absolutely, man. The Dodgers and Padres. Uh, who
1: you got there? I still look at this pitching staff with the, with its depth and with its bullpen plan on paper. I think the Dodgers have a real shot, again, to, to make a deep run. Uh, and obviously, anything can happen in, in, in this playoff format, but I think they have a real opportunity to make a deep run. I, I thought the Padres made a lot of good moves in terms of their pitching staff, bringing in Darvish and, and kind of building the depth of their rotation, which they tried to do last year but dealt with a lot of injury issues uh, late in the season and in the playoffs. I think that hurt hurt them a little bit, but they've got offensive depth, got young stars across their lineup. They've got Machado locked up. They've got Santi's locked up. They've got a young guy in Cronenworth who's, you know, who had a great season last year as a rookie. Uh, I think there's enough there to make that, make that interesting again, but I still feel like on paper, based on what the Dodgers brought in with, with Bauer, with what their bullpen and, and kind of piggyback plan could end up looking like, I still feel like on paper, they've got a good opportunity. Although again, who knows what happens if Bellinger's home run becomes a home run yesterday. Who knows what happens in that game. <laughs> Credit to the Rockies, who uh, have heard a lot of noise, I think, in the last uh, few months after dealing Arenado away. And, and I think uh, you know, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder.
0: Well, the way I look at it, if Trevor Bauer is your third starter, you got a pretty good team.
1: Yeah, that's decent. <laughs> you know, uh, you, got, you got Kershaw, who, who didn't have a, a great outing yesterday. which was just rare for opening day, but I'm not worried about Kershaw. You got Kershaw, you got Bauer, you got Bueller, you got Price if you need him, You got Arias. Like that's a that's a very deep deep staff right now. Yeah.
0: Well, have fun calling the game and then also the baseball. We we'll, we'll enjoy you coming on, like your work, and thank you for joining us on this morning.
1: Always oh, a pleasure, my man. I appreciate you.
0: All right, that's Adam Amin, broadcasters does the television for the Chicago Bulls. And that also does baseball. I look at the Bulls as sort of where the Jazz were a few years back when they undertook this rebuilding project. And you've got – that's one thing I want to harp on. You've got to have a plan to know what you're doing and stick with it, man. And if you do it, I believe you can get the results, the results that the Jazz are now obviously getting because they stuck with the plan. They didn't rebuild the rebuild. And away they've gone, and now they got the best record in the league, expected to win tonight. Stay with us. We'll tell you what you missed. Coming up next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon
1: Monson. Sam Amick of The Athletic. Not to take the spotlight off the Jazz, but I think they're sharing that spotlight with the Nuggets. Those two organizations have been on somewhat similar tracks. You know, they have incredibly unique talents as the centerpiece of what they do at the center spot with Gobert and Jokic. They've got Wings, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, that are wildly talented, but kind of face some skepticism about those playoff moments when that little hesitation when it matters most could be the difference between a win and a loss. And Denver and Utah have kind of had similar stories there. But the Jazz to come out of what happened last year and seemingly be stronger and better as a team is really impressive still. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2-7 to presented by Big O Tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network The good pitch is down the middle he won't swing at, But the balls down around his ankles, he hits the shortstop into a double play. This has been going on for two years. Right. I guess you missed a lot
0: of the games that Reyes hit in the clutch last year, huh? No, 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 no. no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. am gonna- No, you are an idiot. Listen, More you're going to tell I'm me I'm, you I'm, are judging. I'm- Thing. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30 degree weather. That proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show, fair weather idiot. <laughs> All right. It's funny. Y'all wanted to play that, and I was just reading it, just saw it on the internet. And that is Cleveland broadcaster Bruce Drennan. And it's a post game. They have a call in show. Cleveland loses three to two to Detroit, uh, not just in thirty degree weather, but snowing thirty degree weather, which is kinda of funny. He calls him a fair weather fan, but it was bad weather. Now the game was in Detroit, not Cleveland.
2: Fair so weather Cleveland idiot. <laughs>
0: I don't know how you could uh, handle someone who's calling into your post-game show. If you're calling into a post-game show on a loss in game one when you're not expected to be all that good this year, can you really be a fair-weather fan? Fair-weather idiot! You've got a lot of investment that you would call in on the first game of the season and complain about not swinging at strikes and swinging at pitches around your ankles and grounding into double plays, my guess is you're not a fair-weather idiot. You're actually uh, very much into this team. And I I don't know that I could do that. Bruce Drennan goes off on that, and then he laughs a little bit afterward. But, man, that's way over the top, isn't it? How could he get away with
2: that? I, I don't know, but I'm with you in the fact that I think that fan, he's more of a diehard than he is a fair-weather idiot.
0: Yeah. First game of the season, they're 0-1, and he's upset. Is that That's not the definition of fair-weather. To me, that's the definition of you are really involved in the team and you want to see the team do well, and you're connected to the ball club. So I would question his uh, – Thing of screaming at him a fair weather fan and just talking over him, <laughs> I, I you know I fair really weather idiot. <laughs> I don't I don't think we have our listeners uh, depending on you know what particular sport. Not all of them have the same amount of passion for all the stuff, but we largely deal with local sports here, and I don't think that. We have a lot of fair weather fans. I think most of our fans are hardcore. And they're very much way into what they're listening for. And obviously that's the local teams with the jazz right now being the overwhelming number one story, particularly this time of year. So we get anybody who listens to us. We have Jeff. Hit me up on Twitter. Is there a fair weather jazz fan who listens to us? I believe they're all in. And. If they have a response, man, if they take the time to call into a – that was uh, some type of uh, television call-in show after the game because there's video of it I'm looking yeah. at it right now.
2: Yeah, but it's, it, it must be a simulcast or some such. And funny enough, call-in shows by and large kind of gone the way of the dinosaurs. So it's interesting that they still yeah, do it, this.
0: And it's after the game. And this guy, Bruce Drennan, looks to easily be in his 60s or 70s i'm looking at the video right now uh i wonder if the, the his owners uh, his bosses might say you may want to tone that down a little
2: bit back off a little and bit. i mean
0: he does chuckle at the end uh which like is an indicator all right maybe he's playing it but <laughs> you're an idiot and you don't know baseball i don't know that i could talk down to the customer like that uh Particularly, uh, did did Bruce Drennan play? What, what's his background? I mean, you don't necessarily have to play to know the game. You don't have to play at the highest level if you're coaching at the NBA. I and mean, I don't think Quinn Snyder played the NBA, but does he know basketball? I mean, obviously no one's going to question that. Uh, so, uh, and Roy Williams, I don't think, who retired yesterday, I don't think he played for Carolina. Uh, can you know basketball? Yeah, I think he can, but uh, to call – Somebody an idiot like that. Wow. Unless you're playing around. Unless it was staged, which uh, I wouldn't put it past people to stage that, but I don't know that uh, you would would go in that direction. All right, there you go. That's a little fun in the first day of MLB, and they're already screaming at each other. (laughs) I like how the caller didn't back down, though. He just wasn't as loud and didn't have the – Ability to talk over, as Bruce did. Fair weather, idiot! (laughs) Baseball started yesterday in foul weather in Detroit. The funny thing about that is Cabrera, Miggy Cabrera, who's bearing down on 3,000 hits this season. And I think probably 500 home runs, I think. uh, He should be able to get that. And so he hits a ball. It's snowing. I mean, it's coming down. It's not quite white out, but it's coming down pretty good. If you haven't seen it, it's funny. He hits a ball to right field. And because of the snow, the right fielder goes back, and Miggy can't see, can't figure it out. So he slides into second base because he's not sure where the ball is. And I appreciate his hustle and sliding in. If you're not sure where the ball is, don't take anything for granted. So he goes down and slides into second base, only it's over the fence. It's a home run, but he can't see it because the snow's coming down in right field. (laughs) And he gets up, and the referee or the umpires give him the signal, and then he starts jogging around. The bases uh, from second to home. Uh, We had a funny situation with the Dodgers and Rockies. Uh, Bellinger hits a home run to left field. Tapia, the left fielder for the Rockies. Long skinny dude goes up left-handed, catches the ball, but his glove with the ball in it hits the – looked like there was a little area right above the fence, a little flat area. The ball slaps – the glove slaps on that. And the ball pops loose and goes over the fence. So Justin Turner is on going to, from first to second, and he rounds second, stands there for about five yards away for off of second base, trying to figure out what happened what's happened. He think the ball he thinks the ball's caught, so he touches second on the way back and sprints back to first with his head down. Meanwhile, Bellinger is about halfway between first and second. You can't pass base runners. So he gets credited with the single. They let Turner score so he doesn't get a home run. And the Rockies win eight to five. Kershaw got battered around a little bit. Our Angels, Mike Trout, Shohei Itani, they get to win. I'm calling them their our, our Angels, since uh, the and the, the bees are going to start next month, right? And they start off that's, like a twelve game well, home stand. Yep, they're
2: scheduled to start in early May.
0: Yeah, and they are uh, allowing is it uh, three thousand fans in the stadium? So that's just great news that they can get back out on the field and that ballpark can be open as we start to get into the better weather because I've gone every year that I've been here in this community to hang out. It's a beautiful ballpark. We've all been there. Beautiful views to sit out there and enjoy the summer weather with friends, get something to eat, whatever it might be. And uh, we want that back. That was one of the things that was robbed from us last summer and a slew of things that were taken away. That was one of them that certainly I miss the most not being able to go and hang out at the ballpark a few times a year as I've done every single year. Really enjoy that. So they'll get back going next month and that'll that'll be good news for our community for sure. So bunch of baseball yesterday, opening day. Not gonna go through all the games, but they were everybody except the Mets and Nationals, and the Nationals had some COVID stuff, so they didn't play. And I heard they weren't gonna play today and they'll try to get on the field the two tomorrow. Uh, As far as that goes, and we all none of us want to see this uh, season be ruined any season. I don't care what season it is, whatever it might be. Unfortunately, the high schools have been able to play because all the high school spring sports in our community last year that didn't happen. They got started, maybe played one or two games or matches, whatever it might be. And then they had to shut it down. And that's just a tragedy of uh, epic proportion. Not that it's not understandable. That's not the point. Point being that the kids didn't get to play. You want to see them play. For sure, you want to see them play. So that's baseball, basketball, jazz playing tonight. Chicago Bulls should get a W. I assume Donovan Mitchell will get back. And I don't know if he'll address the issue. Uh, And they haven't come out and said if it's anxiety as far as flying. I saw yesterday that uh, ESPN resurrected a workout. Did you see that, Yacht? They resurrected a post-game uh, a post-workout interview with – it looked like it was the Kings. They had the Kings flag in the background when Mitchell was coming out of college at Louisville, and they, he talked about how he didn't like to fly and how he'll pay extra to get a window seat so he can see what's going yeah. on or something. So And they resurrected that and they put that out there, and that's obviously going back four years. And if it's an issue for some folks, I mean, I – I've got my own problems in in regard to anxiety that I've had to deal with. So I don't scoff at that uh, whatsoever. Uh, You know, and I've seen doctors. I don't talk about it, obviously, but uh, I've been there. So I know uh, at least a little. I never know what another person's going through completely. I don't think you can. But if it's a real issue, it's a real issue. I don't doubt it. I don't make light of it. I don't make fun of it. Uh, I appreciate it, and, and uh, hopefully he can find a way to to get through it. Now they're playing games to this tonight and tomorrow at home, so you would think that uh, he would be okay. And he's been playing so well, just so he's been so fun to watch. Just uh, he's playing uh, to where in a year or two, if not now, I think he deserves MVP consideration. I think he deserves uh, All NBA First Team, all that stuff. I don't think that you get to this record without having stars on your team. It's impossible to do that, and it's not a fluke. It's for real, and it's here, and it's here to stay for a good while. So we all wish him well, and hopefully he gets taken care of as he goes forward as far as that goes. They got two winnable games tonight. First 16 games, so there's 30 days in the month, and we're already down one, so... Obviously, they're playing at a pace that's about one game a day, a little bit more than that, but uh, or not one game a day, one game every two days with 16 games. Uh, get out of this month. I think this month will determine uh, whether they have the number one seed or not. When we get to April 30th, uh, if they're still with the three-game lead that they have now, minimum, I think they wrap up home court, first place, all that stuff. Uh, if it's a little less than that, it'll extend into May. If it's more than that, obviously, I think the same thing, too, as far as that goes, uh, and good for them. Final four is set. Gonzaga against your UC Los Angeles Bruins. Now, yeah, couldn't BYU make a claim? Their last two losses of the <laughs> 2021 season were Gonzaga and the Bruins. Now, couldn't we make a claim they would have a deep run if they didn't have to play those two teams? Now, obviously, you the Gonzaga sure, why not? wasn't in the tournament. Yeah. How about that? Is You're there, guaranteed to have a team in property? the final game. It's what we do, man. If I'm Mark Pope, I'm selling that today. What's this, some kid who went to that Wasatch Academy who's transferring out of Cincinnati? Uh, and Saunders is his name. Is that his name? And he's uh, plays the point guard position. Mm-hmm. So, uh if he's anything like loner, yeah. I would jump on him.
2: Mikey Saunders. Uh, he's got. Apparently, I, I just saw this morning that Utah Craig Smith has already reached out to him as well. So, could have a little battle here to see who can land this kid.
0: Oh sure, why wouldn't he? If he's a player,
2: four star prospect. Yeah. So. I don't follow
0: high school sports. And they're not – they're high school, but they're not really Utah high school in terms of – they don't play local teams, do they? Do
2: they they play do local play teams? local teams, but they uh, play what they call an independent schedule. They're actually right, – they played right. a game last night uh, in Florida. They're playing this national tournament deal. They're still playing? Yeah. So they're playing they – High They played their first game of that tournament last night. They lost it uh, to actually Compass Prep out of Phoenix down there in Arizona. Uh, so they're playing in a tournament in Florida. And also the Fremont uh, girls team, who the state champions 6A this past year, they're playing in that same tournament in Florida. So we got two local teams uh, playing prep basketball right now.
0: Yeah, well, if Craig Smith and his guys think that this kid is worthy, absolutely give him a call. You need players for Utah. Craig Smith's not foolish enough not to know that. Of course he knows that. And he said that. We had him on the air on, what was it, Wednesday?
2: I believe I you're correct, Wednesday. yeah.
0: Because Gordon was sitting in that day, and, and he joined us on the interview, and he said something that really has resonated with me. You know, coaching can coach, but the players, it comes down to the players, and they've got to get the job done out on the floor. And at that point, coaching, you prepare them, you set them up, you're helpless. So they've, they've got to do it. So he needs players. For the Utes to get back to the NCAA tournament and contend for the Pac-12, which I believe they can. I believe I believe that Craig Smith will get that done. I could be wrong and it won't be the first nor the last, but I think Craig Smith is going to have success at Utah. I'm excited for him and to see what he can do at Utah and bring back Utah basketball. You know, maybe he doesn't bring it back to the level of majors, that was phenomenal, but I believe that he can bring it back to be an NCAA-worthy program. Now, I'm not going to expect it this year, even though he is, and that's his expectation. That's fine. I think that's a little bit of coach speak. Uh, I believe he's going to need a couple years. But by year three, and maybe sooner, but certainly by year three, I expect him to have his team contending for an NCAA bid. That's my expectation. He worked uh, magic, miracles, whatever, great work at Utah State. and He got him. three for three as far as NCAA goes but they had maybe some talent left. He brought in Kata, and that made a huge difference, too. All right, stay with us. We'll wrap up the show next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Uh, Hello, PK. Have you ever heard of a guy named John Stockton? Um, I think he was pretty good and played for Gonzaga. Oh, I see, PK. Sorry, I just... Didn't want you to forget about, you know, the best NBA point guard of all time, man. I'm out.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll get to that in a second. I gotta tell you about a great opportunity for you to combine golf and charity, Dyslexia Center of Utah. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fund. It's May thirteenth at Cedar Hills Golf Course. One hundred percent. Obviously, all of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. You can find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org, dyslexiacenterofutah.org. All right, no, that's legitimate because we were talking about uh, I was talking about Gonzaga's run. They're playing for the national title here. They're in the Final Four, play tomorrow against UC Los Angeles, and then I assume they're going to win, and I assume Baylor's going to win. I don't know that. That's maybe not right to assume, but that's what I'm thinking of. Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, a rematch of a match that didn't happen supposed to happen in December, but COVID for Gonzaga, that they shut down the program for a bit, and uh, they've gotten past that, and hopefully both these teams will be healthy and everybody will be healthy going forward, and they'll play Monday. And I was talking about Mark Few's time at Gonzaga, and one of the things that's separating Gonzaga is they've had a lot of uh, fringe NBA guys. You know, uh, we brought up Kelly Olenek, uh, one of my favorites, Danny Dick. Ow! Dan Dickow, those types of players, and they relied heavily on transfers and foreign guys. Uh, Sabonis was one of their players. I once saw Sabonis. I was down at the uh, West Coast Conference, and they were playing on uh, one of those nights, semifinal or final, and he was out there uh, on one of the baskets probably for a good 15, 20 minutes working on his footwork, and he wasn't shooting the ball. There was no basketball. He was just working on his footwork that big men need to do. And no basketball, and he's just working, and he's practicing, moving, up and under, all this stuff. And and he's been an all-star. I think he's been a multiple all-star with the Pacers now. Started out with the Thunder, got traded for the Paul George deal. And so now he's with Indiana. I think he's made the all-star team. I never made it this year. I think he made it last year too. So I think he's been the best guy in the Mark Few era. And I said, Suggs? This point guard, Jalen Suggs, he's the difference because he was Mister Mister Basketball and Mister Football in the state of Minnesota. How about that?
2: He was a four-star prospect in college football.
0: Yeah, I mean that's circles. obviously a big-time stud, and he chose basketball. And he chose Gonzaga, and once Gonzaga starts getting these high school studs, man, it's pretty much over. <laughs> Uh, for them being a superpower in college basketball. They can get those types of players. And so we're on Mm -hmm. with Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy, at KenPalm.com. And I said Suggs is the best player to come out of Gonzaga. Now, that's on me. I did not clarify Mark Few. And so I've gotten probably three or four responses. What about Stockton? What about Stockton? Obviously, he came out of Gonzaga. But I'll put that on me, that I did not uh, make clear. So you're legitimate in questioning what up with that? Why didn't you include Gonzaga or include Stockton? Because, yeah, that's a legitimate claim. But I was talking about the Mark Few era and what he's been able to do and how he's gotten that. Because I, I don't even remember. Does anybody have any idea who was the coach when Stockton was there? Was it Monson who was uh, there before? I don't know. I'd have to look it up to see who that coach is. I really have no idea. I didn't know anything about Gonzaga. I didn't know anything about Stockton. I knew he went to the Olympic trials. Uh, and then obviously his career took off, but I will take up steps, and if we're going to take a bu- talk about the best all time point guard, we're going to have to start and end with magic Johnson. My friends, that's where I stand on that. And I uh, will believe I will uh, always believe that I don't think I'll ever change, but you guys, your jazz fans, you want to go with Stockton, I get your fandom and that's exactly what it is. And it's a fandom and you have every right to go with that and your fandom. So, You're right in questioning me about that uh, because I didn't make that clear. I was in the mindset of the Mark Few, which is now 22 or 23 years he's been there, and they've made the tournament every single year.
2: All right, PK. So uh, I just looked it up. Uh, During the time that Stockton was at Gonzaga, Jay Hillock was his coach, it appears.
0: Jay Hillock. Now, he went and coached at Loyola Marymount, did he not?
2: I believe and, and so. did he
0: coach at Southern Utah also?
2: I want to say he did. Uh, it's funny enough, Dan Fitzgerald was their coach against Gonzaga from 1978 to 81. Then Hillock took over for four seasons. Then Fitzgerald came back from 85 to 1997. Then Dan Monson and then Mark Few. So there's been four coaches in, what is that, 40 years, 40-plus 40 years?
0: Yeah, Monson went off to Minnesota. I think Monson's now coaching at Long Beach State, or he was uh, coaching at Long Beach State. And then... A uh, few It's just, wow, what, what more can you say about the guy and his program? I mean, there's only one thing that you can't say. Is he hasn't won the NCAA title. I believe that's about to be eliminated. And You and me at, both. At that point, once you get to that point, there's nothing left to say. I guess do it again. Roy Williams won three. And so you try to do it again. But he's built a behemoth uh, out of the West Coast Conference, which is a weak conference any way you slice it, in Spokane, not a glamorous media marketplace, obviously. And he's built that without winning the title. If he wins the title, wow, my gosh, there you go. All right, thanks for joining us. DJ will be back. Everybody will be in their appointed and natural roles on monday thanks for joining me this week staying with me as i had to slide over a chair it's always fun to be in the same situation that i'm supposed to be in that's with david james back and he'll be back on monday stay with us Scotty and hands are coming up next on 97.5 1280 the zone